Hi, All People's family and honored guests that are with us and different All People's churches that are listening around the world. It is such an honor to be with you today. I have tremendous expectancy to jump in in this week two and, and share with you. And I'm going to do two things. One, we're going to actually build the biblical foundation for racial equality and the calling of the multi-ethnic church. And number two, we're going to move from having a 30,000 foot perspective like we did last week with really one of the statesmen in our city, in our black community, to moving into a family discussion and take you into something that Stephanie and I experience with dear family members. So, so I want to start with a biblical foundation because we base our lives on the Bible and this whole idea of racial equality is not just a good idea. It's not just now the, the current trend. No, this has been in the heart of God from the creation, the foundations of the earth. And I want to just give you several biblical foundations of why we believe in racial equality, why we stand against racism and think it's evil, and why we fight and contend to build the multi-ethnic church. So point number one, point number one, we believe all people have equal worth in the sight of God, and God wants a multi-racial bride. I mean, we could start in Genesis, right, with, with man and woman made in the image of God, but I want to start at the end of the Bible with Revelation 7, 9 through 10, one of the main verses we focus on, but it's where everything is headed. And it says this, After this I looked, and behold, right in front of me I saw a vast multitude of people, an enormous multitude so huge that no one could count, made up of victorious ones from every nation, tribe, people group, and language. They were all glistening in white robes, standing before the throne, before the Lamb with palm branches in their hands. And they shouted with a passionate voice, Salvation belongs to our God who's seated on the throne and to the Lamb. You know what I've often said? If you don't like multi-ethnic, you're not going to like heaven. Because that is what heaven is like. No wonder there's such an attack against the multi-ethnic church because it displays the reality of heaven. And that's what we're called to. We're called to, to pray on earth as it is in heaven. No wonder it's so hard because the enemy absolutely hates it because we're actually displaying a heavenly reality. It says, then one of the elders asked me, who are these in glistening white robes and where have they come from? I answered, my Lord, you must know. Then he said to me, they're the ones who've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb and emerged from the midst of great pressure and ordeal. Two things I see in there. First, it's the blood of the Lamb. Jesus purchasing people from every race was so important to him that he paid for it with his blood. Certainly, brothers and sisters, we can pay for it with our tears and our sweat. Secondly, I see that it says they came out of great pressure and an ordeal. And, and let me just say, coming together, it brings great pressure. It is a challenging ordeal. And that is why, although most Christians would say they believe in unity and they believe in, in ethnicities coming together, it's why most churches on Sunday morning are believe in unity but look homogeneously. We're called to build Revelation 7 and 9. 
And it says this, For this reason they are before the throne of God, ministering to Him as priests day and night within His cloud-filled sanctuary. And the enthronement spreads over them as tabernacles shelter. Their souls will be completely satisfied, and neither sun nor any scorching heat will affect them. For the Lamb is the center of the throne, continuously shepherd, shepherding them unto life guiding them to the everlasting fountains of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear, every last tear from their eye. Number two. Number two, the only hope for the unity of ethnicities is Jesus. Man, how many times did we hear Pastor Archie say that last week? He just kept bringing us back to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But why? Because that's what the Bible says. Listen to this in Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. I'm in the Passion Translation, by the way, which is an amazing translation that I've been feasting in. It says, our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separates us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together to have become one and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ through his crucifixion, hatred died. Can I tell you, it's only through the cross that hatred can die. He is our hope and we believe with all our hearts that the greatest need at this moment is not so much to just look at each other, but to look at Jesus. And as we become more like him, we become more filled with grace, love, acceptance, and healing. Number three. Number three, the church is God's instrument to heal the pain of racism, division, oppression, and hatred. Don't give up on the church because it's God's chosen instrument yeah, we don't have a great track record, but it doesn't mean then that you should walk away because God loves the church. Did you hear Pastor Archie say that last, last week? He said, if I had a word, it would be, this is the hour for the church. Listen to Ephesians 4.13. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God and finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Now, let me just state the obvious. It's really hard to come together from all these different backgrounds. It takes tremendous forgiveness, repentance, love, patience, laying down our rights and looking at Jesus. You know, I mean, the church doesn't have a great track record of it for the last 400 years in America. But let me just tell you, when we focus on Jesus, He is the God of the impossible. This week in the midst of the pain, actually it was last week in the, in the midst of the pain and in the midst of the, 
the heartache both nationally and regionally, but even in our church. We had family that we reached out to and that reached out to us. That the Herbers, Robert, Stephanie, and the Osbournes, Nick and Ashley. And we said, we got to get together in the midst of this. And, we, and we've got to have some gut level conversation. And, and we've got we've to make sure we're actually seeing each other and, and understanding each other. We've got we to have the hard conversations. And you know, we did that for three hours. And we weren't intending this. Uh, this certainly wasn't the plan. But I realized this week, you know what? We need to bring the rest of our church family into that discussion to see how family relates when things get challenging, when things get tough. So I want to invite you into our conversation. I want to invite my wife to come and join me and, and my dear friends that we've walked with for the last 10 years very closely, Nick and Ashley Osborne. Nick and Ashley, wow, love you so much. And uh, we have been friends and uh, spending time together for, I think, 10 years. Um, and, and, and not just in church, obviously, we've spent a lot of time in social settings together. We've been in your home. You've been, we've been at parties together, even in ours. Um, Nick and I have worked on cars together. <laughs> and, uh, um, All right. <laughs> that, okay, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I handed you like a wrench and said, "Is this a wrench?" <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, okay, so we we one of the things we said is, "Hey, we're family." But obviously, we come from very different backgrounds, born in different states, different family structures, and so I think what it always helps me is to to hear a little of someone's background. So would you guys just jump in? Uh, because not everyone in the church knows you and not everyone knows your story. So would you guys just jump in and kind of paint that picture for us? I just remember growing up in, in the neighborhood I, I grew up in and to be honest, I just always kind of felt out of place. Hmm. Um, you know, we had everything you needed and it's not like I didn't feel like I wasn't provided for or anything like that. It's like, but I always had a hard time uh, fitting in. And mm-hmm. he honestly, even making like real true friends, you know, if I didn't have to kind of almost be just tagging along with everyone else. And I just remember like going into high school, it was like completely different experience um, when it was a lot more diverse. Hmm. And, you know, I grew, we grew up in the Bay Area, um, you know, which is close to Oakland and Berkeley. Um, and the school I went to, uh, you know, had a lot more African-American and, and Latino and, you know, and, and there was there's people who were Caucasian and white, too. But I just remember, like, starting to have more relationships with people who were, were black and something like changed in me. <laughs> it's like it's all of a sudden I started to identify more um, of just, I guess, who I am and where mm-hmm. I come from. But it's just I think because I started to have confidence in who I was and how, what Mm. God created me to be, you know, and it just gave me a confidence to be like, you know, I can associate with anyone. 
so like Nick said, I, I grew up in the Bay Area too, but I think my younger years looked a lot different than his, where I grew up in more of like a diverse, like elementary school. Honestly, white was actually the minority, like where I, you know, went to elementary school. But I always remember, like, even though it was like a really good mix, my parents always letting me know, like, hey, it's not always going to be like this, you know, mm. and you may, you probably will be treated differently, mm. like outside of, you know, this area that we're wow. in, you know, this is not how <clears throat> the world is. So I, you know, being small, I just didn't really understand that. But kind of flip flop, I went to a predominantly white high school. Mm. And I think wow. that's when I was like, oh, I see what they're, what they're talking about. I just, I remember even my parents applying for me to go to this high school. Mm. Um, the first thing they told my parents is, hey, she didn't get in because of her grades. And my mom was like, oh, that's strange. Have you seen her grades? And they're like, yes, her grades. And she's like, but she has a 4.0. And they were like, oh, well, it's not her grades. <laughs> you know, it, and it was wow. a very, my mom's like, did you see that? And I said, yes, I, I, I recognize that right away. Like, okay, it's going to be a little, a little different. And so I think, you know, then kind of going into college and just feeling like, oh, yeah, like Nick kind of said, like, I do feel different. Like, I do feel yeah, like out of place a lot of times or, you know, I think we kind of talked about just like experiences with, you know, feeling like some of my white friends applying to colleges versus like me applying to college where I struggled to get into a school and mm. I had a 4.3 GPA and wow. really good like SAT scores and a lot of my friends were like, oh, I got into this school and mm. I just felt it like it, it kind of came full circle, like when my parents were kind of teaching me that, like being young, like it's going to be different. And I, you know, lots there, yeah. uh, lots, <laughs> a lot we could talk about. Um, yeah. uh, why don't you take us into um, how you got to be a part of all people's mm -hmm. church? Obviously, we met when, yeah. when, when, yeah. when we were just come here, and mm -hmm. you guys were students, but that's not when you you jumped in. You jumped in right after you got married, but yeah. 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 I just, I remember we were a part of another church and um, things did not end well. <laughs> Basically, the things. Wait, like all things in the church don't go perfect all the time? <laughs> Wait, what? It ended, it ended and it ended quickly. Say, it it, it, the, it the ended church, and it ended quickly. Yeah. And so the next week, we were kind we were, of like, here we we're go. like, okay, God, like, we're going to, like, start looking around and see if we can find a, a new a new home church because we knew that was going to be important. We knew that mm -hmm. was essential for for our marriage, our family. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're like, all right, like, God leads to the, to, to the first place and then we'll go to the next place. But basically, we're going to be, like, church hopping. We're going to church hop. You know? I, I remember telling him, do not commit to anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going to go in, don't you commit that's to what, anything. That's basically what she told <laughs> me. Don't, yeah. don't you commit. <laughs> don't commit. Basically, she was, like, I was one with a more open heart. She's kind of like, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but I remember, you know, some friends told us about all peoples. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd even heard about um, the church through some of my own teammates when I was um, – played at state and I remember we just walked in um and we you know we experienced the worship and you know experienced just like feeling very welcomed but if anything I think what really kind of brought us in was just feeling the presence of God mm -hmm. um and that very first time we went and I remember getting in the car and telling Ashley like 
I don't think we need to look anywhere else. In short, she was very skeptical. I know she was like, oh, I don't know. And, um, and we took some time to pray about it. Um, and we just, our hearts were set and we, and we felt mm-hmm. very clearly that God was like, no, this mm-hmm. is the, the church that you're going to be yeah. at. And then now we are, here we are 10 years mm-hmm. later. No, I definitely was skeptical, but like he said, I, once I felt the presence of the Lord and I, it was very clear, like, this is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Like, this is where you're supposed to be. And um, then I think from there, we just jumped in. Well, hey, we would, we'd love if you guys could bring us into how the recent, the most recent yeah. tragedies of Ahmad and George have made, how they've made you guys feel. Yeah. So um, when we, you know, start hearing on the news, like what had happened, and of course I was just heartbroken, just like, oh, mm. no, like, not, I think it was like, not again, mm-hmm. like, not again. But I remember telling Nick, um, like, I was heartbroken, but I was so confused because mm-hmm. soon as things kind of started to, like, untangle and we get it, you know, we're getting more information, I started getting a lot of like text messages and phone calls from it's like white friends and they're like, we're so sorry. Like, we're yeah. so sorry. And like, I can't believe this happened. And I think I was confused. So I was like, wait, hmm. this has been happening my whole life. Hmm. Like, this is what I've, you know, grown up just knowing. So hmm. it was like this very like real tension of like, man, I'm heartbroken again, but I'm so confused. Like, hmm. why is this different? I mm. think me and Nick were saying like, why, what, like, why is this different? Like, why now are people so shocked and so like compelled, you know, to move when, yeah. you know, this wow. has been life for us, wow. you know, growing up. Yeah. That's, mm. I mean, this is, you all, you almost, see it like monthly sometimes at, at times of the year like weekly like there's these things going on and mm-hmm. you know even just like the community that we grew up you know around like especially in oakland i mean there was a lot of um different events that that were similar to that that happened all the throughout their our time growing up mm-hmm. there and i you know heard about on the news and through with through friends you know there was a big fruitvale station event that happened in i think it was 2014 um, a movie was made after that yeah. um, and you know riots had come up out of that so this again this wasn't like new there was no shock value for us you know it was almost like oh, something else happened again you know and then when we start hearing everybody's reaction we were like really everybody's surprised like you know this is what we live with this is just honestly it's our reality and you know, I mean, if you hang around the kids that I coach on my team, like they're posting this kind of stuff every week, mm. <laughs> you know, like, cause I follow them on, on their social media because, you know, like, you know, we don't want to have anything in the dark, but, um, I mean, the kids are posting that kind of stuff all year long, you know? So, so, so a, so painful B when I hear that, I'm like, wow, so sad that that's become normal for you guys. So it's almost like, okay, what, why is this time such a, uh, a big deal? Because not because it's not a big deal, but because that's been so normal. So that's really, really sad. And then so sad to hear you say, Hey, that's the reality for the kids I coach because that's, that's heartbreaking. Um, and then today I've already, you know, I've, I've already spent the beginning, as you guys know, giving a biblical underpinning, but also just sharing some of my heart as a pastor and, and saying, Hey, we're, we're tackling some, some, some taboo and sticky things today. 
Um, I think some of our conversation centering around police and reaction to police is, I mean, boy, let's just say this is very sticky. And as you guys know, and um, we have numerous law enforcement uh, people that love Jesus in this church. And what what people might not know, just give a little of of that how how that is for your life, Ashley. Tell tell us your connection to law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, So my dad is a retired police officer, and my brother is a police officer right now. So when this, you know, when we start hearing about rioting and everything, like first thing we are is like, are you okay? And you know, he told us right away, like, I'm okay, but it's it's going to be rough right now. Like people are upset. They are mad. And, um, so I think for us, it was so hard because yes, we're heartbroken hearing, you know, about this black man that has been murdered, you Absolutely. know? Um, but then now kind of getting it from another sense of like, Oh, now my brother's life, you know, is yeah. like, this is really affecting him. I mean, he had, I won't I almost say what, almost two weeks of 12 hour shifts daily mm-hmm. where, you know, no breaks, just 12 hours, you work, and then you come back. Even just hearing stuff like my mom getting text messages from neighbors and saying, like, how could your son be a black man and be a police officer? Like, wow. he is such a sellout. And we're just like, are you serious right now? So just getting it from, like, every, like, yeah. angle felt, like, mm-hmm. so pressing. And, you know, getting pictures from him of, like, him and five police officers and hundreds of people coming at them. And he's and like, he showed us that picture. Yeah, was just- we were like... He's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Then someone threw a firecracker at him. And he's like, well, now I know what's going to happen, you know. But it was just mm. so hard, you know, just hearing, like, you know, having a family member now experiencing just, like, the rioting. And it was it was so hard. I think one thing that I got from him, though, just like, hey, like, how are you doing? Which was so interesting was, like, he's like, no, I am not condoning, mm. like, this violence. I'm not, but... I understand. I understand people's pain Mm, right now. It's real. Mm, It is real, real pain, you know? And um, I think that was like in me, like, yes, like people are hurting really badly right now. And so. And and then you have such a, I mean, it's crazy because then you talked about an experience you had Mm -hmm. and the the mom's group like oh, the yeah. mom's ministry <laughs> absolutely uh, and and yeah. how how y- your interaction or being black makes you think about your potential interactions with police and then you shared some stuff to take us into that yeah. i mean that just helped me yeah. get into absolutely. your world and into yeah. my black brothers and sisters yeah. world. we're just talking about like training our kids in obedience okay looks a little different you yeah. know i think we brought up like a mom's meeting where one of the moms acts like like i want our kids to obey like right away but i also want to give them an opportunity to like you know tell me what's going on and explain and mm-hmm. and in my head i'm thinking like wow that that's a privilege that you can do that because uh, my i'm kids, assuming this was a white woman it was a white mm-hmm. it was a white mom and i said well in my head i'm thinking well that's a privilege because 
I have to teach my kids if it's like a person of authority, especially a police officer, no, you obey right away. Mm. You don't try to explain things. You don't try to reach down to show them anything because mm-hmm. it it, it's life or death for, for mm-hmm. my kids. You know, mm-hmm. I have to teach them like, no, if a police officer tells you to do something, there's no time to question, act, you know, and I'll try to plead your case, whatnot. You, you need to do it right away. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of like, from our hearts of like, wow, even training our kids, you know, from a law. And this is coming from, you know, a woman that my, my family is in law enforcement. And I still have to teach my kids that, yeah. you know, yeah. how, what could happen. Yeah. Yeah. From just even just being young black boys, especially. Um, I mean, even though my dad was white and my parents still taught, taught uh, me and my older brothers, like, hey, look. Like, this is how you act when you, when a police officer pulls you over, you, you know, you relax, you you keep your hands on the wheel. And again, these are things that I think other families have taught, but it's from a different perspective Mm -hmm. of like, hey, like something can happen. Something Mm -hmm. can go down. I mean, even think about getting pulled over, like about a month ago. And I remember just like taking a deep breath, like Mm -hmm. trying to calm myself down, putting my hands on the wheel. And in my mind, I'm just like thinking about my kids in the back. And Mm -hmm. I remember even just asking, you know, for the, my registration and all that. And I'm going really slow because I don't, because in my mind, I'm like, I don't want him to think that I'm like rushing to grab anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and maybe he's not even thinking that, but that's just like how I've been trained. When I just want to say, you know, I mean, I'm kind of right now holding back tears because I'm, I just think I'm so sorry that, that you had to go through that. I mean, I see us as equal yeah. and equal before God, but I, I haven't had to, I never had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up as a white guy, I saw the police as the good guys all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying <laughs> what, what I'm saying yeah. is um, my parents never told me that. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I'm just learning in this moment, yeah. um, there have been privileges. Like I, I, I believe in white privilege, mm-hmm. like not, I believe in, I, mm-hmm. I believe there is white privilege mm-hmm. and it breaks my heart that everyone hasn't had the same mm-hmm. privileges and, 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 and that's not, mm-hmm. that's not okay. And it's crazy that it's taken me this many years to have these kind of conversations and, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is what, but I think this is what we've got to do mm-hmm. in the yeah, in the church. Nick, um, we were together, and you started you started talking about your role as the head coach for Cajon Valley High School, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. which that is something we share is our love for football. <laughs> and um, uh, you just made it quite a bit further than me going all the way to pro in my career at in junior high, um, uh, but. But you t- started talking about the team of coaches you've <clears throat> yeah. built. Talk a little about that. Yeah. And that led to a lot more deeper conversation that I want yeah. to get to. Absolutely. Yeah, no, like when I first started um, as a head coach there, one of the things that was most important um, for me was I wanted to make sure that the coaches that are on that, on that team represent um, the kids that are at the school mm-hmm. and that I'm going to have. Because at, my, at our school, you know, it, it's – it's probably like less than half a percent white 
Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's African, it's African American, it's Chaldean, it's Middle Eastern, Afghani. Like we have all that on our team yeah. from all those different, I mean, Incredible. it is the true United Nations team. Incredible. Um, but what was important to me is that like they feel represented within the staff because there's a, there's a level of trust that's automatically given just because of that mm-hmm. with mm. the kids. And not to say that that trust can't be built when somebody's from a different color. That takes it does take time, but there is a, a level of trust that is gained from a from a teenager, especially um, when they when they see like, hey, like that person knows me, they understand me, and I've had conversations with with kids, you know, that um, are African American and um, getting into their lives on those on those issues because they know that I'll understand where they're coming from, mm-hmm. whereas you know in the past they didn't feel like they had that voice mm-hmm. to be able to speak. Mm-hmm. So, so then I, I followed up with a very obvious question, um, and, I, and I said, "So Nick and Ashley, has it been hard for you that our staff is predominantly white?" And um, talk about another sticky issue that we're just diving into yeah. right here. Yeah. Uh, you guys were very gracious to me, um, but tell tell me tell tell everyone mm-hmm. tell us again how you responded to that. Yeah, to be honest, like that was something that. I prayed you would bring it up <laughs> and like, cause I knew it was going to be a difficult conversation cause it is something that's really important, you know, being, feeling like it represented within the church and not just the body, but with in the leadership. So, yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah, it has been hurtful. Yeah. It has been hard. So like Nick yeah. was saying, um, not, seeing you know the the church is called all peoples but not mm-hmm. seeing all people like represented on a leadership standpoint mm-hmm. um has been probably the most difficult things mm-hmm. for for us mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. absolutely and um you know and just in us just like talking and like why is that so difficult and you know it it feels like almost like hey do they know us you know like do they know kind of like what, you know, what black people are going through? And then just in conversation, we've been like, okay, yeah, we know that they have tried. Like we know that they have, like when we first came in, we just, we talked about that when we first came into this church, you, you mentioned like, oh, this black man is like the, mm-hmm. the youth leader. And we were kind of like, oh, yeah, the th- worship that's leader interesting. was Latina. And I mean, there was obvious diversity and even just, I mean, we even going out like and out into the streets and like we were like ministering and reaching out to people of all kinds of different races Mm -hmm. um we saw like a true diversity um and you know yeah but then i think the pain for us was like in that like we saw you know like efforts we saw that we saw pain on you guys' part Mm -hmm. a lot of it too yeah but it was kind of like well like what happened we know that that was you guys' vision your heart but now we kind of walk into church and we're like, what happened? Right. Like, yeah. like w- what happened? Right. And obviously that we're, we're getting real. Yeah. Because, um, that, that so has, that so was our heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 um, and, and today what you see is not what we envisioned and not what we dreamed. And what, what, what I've said is there was, there's been so much spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm probably more on building a multi-ethnic church and a multi-ethnic staff than anything. I mean, not, and, and not every situation that transitioned mm-hmm. was some horrible situation. Some 
people just got called in different mm-hmm. places. But but there was a lot of of pain and spiritual warfare. And yeah. I think, you know, what I was telling you guys in that conversation is I think um, the pain was so great that I pushed back mm-hmm. from it. And, um, you know, and then we saw like, wow, we have a very multi-ethnic church and, and it seems like people are still coming. And I think we just, I, I think we didn't um, continue to press in like God had called us. And, um, yeah, I think we, I think we stopped fighting for it. Like we needed to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I just want to say, I'm sorry that we stopped fighting for that mm-hmm. because that still is our, our heart. And I think we really did push back in, in those places of pain. And, and so I think we needed this time and this time has been so painful. Yeah, It's been so painful for us, but I think we needed this time because people just started it sending words to prophetic word like we need the prophetic in life right and we started having friends of all different ethnicities even from different countries calling and saying no you're called to this and i think we needed to be reminded because sometimes things are so painful that you're like well you even question yeah you know like can i do this and 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 actually the answer is no but god can use anyone and so it's it's reminded us like no step in and i mean so that's even why this week we've we've we're doing we're being trained as a staff on diversity inclusion and we're like i think steph and i are saying we're signing up again yeah Mm -hmm. but i think we want to say to that point we're sorry yeah we 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 haven't lived what god's called us to and and we want to we want to change and we we want to see all people's like different in the next 10 years Mm -hmm. than it does now yeah and i think what I appreciated is, is you guys started talking about, hey, we don't want you to just go out and, and go hire a black pastor just for the yeah. sake. Take us into that Let's because I think that, that yeah. your heart behind that was so amazing. Take us. I mean, you know, so, I mean, we, have, we have friends who are like, they're in that position and that's what they feel like. Hmm. And, you know, in, uh, you know, I won't name them the churches, but like they feel like that's their role is to almost just like you know we say the the black token pastor you're just there because almost to say like that you are black and that the the staff is diverse and who never wanted to be that it's we want it to be organic we want to be fluid we want like trust to be built just as you would with any other staff member like we should never rush into leadership like it has to be something again that's built through relationship and understanding and knowing that person because we never want to, we don't want to rush in and then, and now we're getting burned later on, you know? Um, and then it's, then we're creating even more division. So, you know, like that's one of our, you know, prayers is that like God would raise up those leaders. But I think there's also a piece of like, you know, intercessing and praying into that too. And, um, and being active in that search, but at the same time, not saying, oh, just let's find the first guy that, or, you know, that represents that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's probably a part of what brought us all, or at least me and you, <laughs> the big criers in this, um, to tears was we said, but, and our hope was that it was you, um, that, that we were like, that's, and why? It's because of character. It's because of, of family. 
And I said, and in the same way though, I totally validate you guys have a call mm-hmm. into the, the education and the sports yeah. world. And we, we validate that. Yeah. But one of the reasons we're sitting here today is because Stephanie and I, and we've told you this in private, and we'll tell you in public is, we want people to see you guys as models and value carriers for all peoples, for all people's church, not for this is the the type of black people we're believing for. This is no, this is the type of man and woman we're believing for. Yeah. You know, I think uh, one of the things that was really powerful for uh, me during our time Mm -hmm. when we were talking that night was how, maybe not powerful, it was eye-opening to realize, oh, wow, we had misunderstanding. Absolutely. Because of our color. Absolutely. And I had no idea and so grieved and realized, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And, you know, Ashley, uh, you and I worked closely together in the children's ministry years ago, and you were my top trainer. I mean, you were incredible. And I just wanted to keep asking you for more, like, I need you by my side. You know, I I wasn't even thinking, I mean, these are these these really risky conversations, right? But when when you and I were on that team, I wasn't even thinking, oh, good, she's black. I mean, let me just tell you that that wasn't my thought. Mm -hmm. I just love you. And um, I saw a gifting on your life. And um, I wanted to keep giving you more and pull you closer to my side. And I think it was so eye-opening for that for us as we were talking that night because I realized, oh, you thought I didn't want you. You thought I was trying to push you away. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. And I said, you know, like, I felt stuff that, you know, as a black woman that I can serve and volunteer, but I always felt like I could only get, like, so far and I it never felt like I could you know be like on staff or I never I never felt that way and I think I just seen the look on your face like what you you felt that way yeah. it was just like wait, it was like, like I wanted to hand it all I wanted to hire you are you kidding I was like yeah yes. but just like you know yeah. like I said even it's in, huge yeah but even just in different cultures of just like communication like where I think I was waiting for you to be like hey like inviting I guess inviting me in and I think you were kind of like well she might she must not be saying that she wants to do this so I don't want to put too much on her it was just like this yeah this this communication thing but it's a Mm -hmm. cult it's a cultural thing like I felt like I needed you to say like hey I want invite me into this like let me take this and run with it but didn't feel that place of like I could come and be like, hey, I, I want this. I, I want to go, you know, go with yeah. it. So mm-hmm. I think that was a very, like you were saying, Robert, it was like a an eye-opening time for yeah. both of us. Like, wait, like, that's what I thought. But wait, that's what yeah. you thought. And um, so that's why it was awkward kind of like yeah. saying it, you know, at first of like, I just felt like, you know, I could never get past a, a certain like boundary with you or whatnot. And it felt awkward and it was hard saying it. But then to hear like your response and us go back and forth, it was like, oh, interesting you know um the hard conversations I think we were saying too like why didn't we have this conversation like years ago like why did it take now to like have this conversation like so so uh, maybe we can bring it to Mm. 
to a close and, yeah. and, and where we can get the rubber to meet the road here yeah. with that. You're saying, I needed you to do this, and I think you needed me. Mm-hmm. As, as family members, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. But what do you need your white brothers and sisters to do? Or how do you need them to, to, to act or respond? And I, I know you won't do it perfectly. So I take the pressure off, but like, yeah. just no, what could, but we're a family. Yeah. And, and what, what would you say? What do you need mm. from? Uh, I would want to start just saying, we don't need answers. Hmm. We don't need solutions. Um, we don't need the pull string Jesus that, you know, just, you know, that give us the right, the right answer, the right scripture. It's just like, understand and listen. You know, I think a lot of people are looking for answers right now, hmm. of reform and law, but you know, and those, some of those things need to happen, but you know, when it comes to relationship, just take time to listen to understand and get into the life of someone that's not your color and understand the pains that they have to go through. You know, not just what job do they work at or, you know, the kind of daily things that they go through, but understand where they come from. What was was their upbringing like? What did they have to deal with that you didn't have to deal with? You know, and and like those are the the awkward, uncomfortable conversations I think we all need to have, you know, to build up a relationship. Yeah. I think I was telling you about just one of our close white friends that, you know, called and she's like, I am so sorry. Yeah. I am just so sorry. And I, I, I. You know, I was like, hey, I love, like, your repentant heart, but just to let you know, like, you've been doing what, like, Mm. black people want. (laughs) You have been getting into our lives. You guys, you and your family, you guys come to dinner. We've spent holidays together. We've, you know, you've asked me questions about my hair and why, you know, what do I do with my hair compared to what you do to your hair? Like, we've had, like, those awkward, like, conversations, and you were willing to do that. And not only were you willing to, like, listen to us, but you were willing to, like, take advice from us. Like, Mm. when you, I mean, I remember her asking me, like, hey, I'm having this issue with my kids. What should I do? And I was like, interesting. It was a very, like, wow, you're willing to, like, take advice on like how I'm raising my kids or, you know, they've asked us so many times, like, wait, like, how do you guys do that with your marriage? Oh, we're going to try that. You know, it wasn't just like, Hey, we're going to listen to you. We're going to feel your pain, but Hey, we're going to start taking on some of the stuff that you guys do as well. Maybe that will work for us as well. So it just felt like you're getting into our lives. You're asking those hard Mm. questions. We're spending holidays or, but also willing to be like, Oh, okay. I can maybe try. This is how we've done it for so long, but Hey, you and Nick are doing it that way. Let's try, you know, try that. And I, that was so, I just wanted to tell her that, like, thank you for your repentant heart, but keep doing what you're doing. Mm. Like, keep doing that. Keep yeah. being willing to, you know, like I, before, you know, a lot of times they were the only white ones, but they were like, okay, you know, we're okay with that, you know, but keep being willing to just get into other people's lives and. Like you said, not not to be afraid. You might you might say something or do something. I've said stuff and done stuff that I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Especially like Nick was saying with our with our you know, our Middle Eastern population. I remember our first like team dinner. I brought pepperoni pizza, and I wondered why none of them ate it. And then this this <laughs> sweet boy came to me and was like, Coach, 
that's a sin for us to eat pork. And I was just like, (gasps) I just felt like so just like, I cannot believe I just did that. Like, are you kidding me? Like, but he was so gracious, you know, and that's by doing that life with him. That's how I learned like, oh, okay. So next week when we're actually having our other neighbors over for dinner or for breakfast, I better not make them that, that remember I was going to do bacon and French toast. I was like, okay, no, no, no. Can't do that. You know, but just like learning, doing life with each other and learning like, yeah, you guys may say something, yeah. you know, you may say something that is off, but then we will be able to be yeah. like, hey, actually, this is, you know, the truth behind it or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, we love you so much. So much. So thankful mm-hmm. for you. So proud of who you are and the marriage you have and the mm-hmm. kids you've yeah. raised and just... Wish there were more, a lot more people that were living the sold out life following Jesus like you guys. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if we could finish today by you guys praying yeah. for our church family. Which one has? Lord God, um, we don't have all the right words to say. Um, and that's why we look to you in this time when. There's a lot of people in pain, Um, but we want to see what you see. We want our hearts to be your hearts because God, we're not on different sides. We don't want to, we don't want to see division Lord Jesus. We want to bring unity, but we know that reunity comes through compassion and understanding. So we praise heavenly God that you let your spirit work in the hearts of all people, black, white, Latino, Asian, Middle Eastern, whatever, whatever the hearts be, God, just work on our hearts and let us be open to hear, to hear your, to hear you and where you stand in this. Because God, we don't want to try to solve every problem or can't control. You're the one that's in control, and we want to be on your side, not take sides and all this, but we want to be on your side. So let us find that place where we can be on your side. And we just pray, God, in this church that things be shaken up, things be shaken up in people's hearts. To, to open up their eyes, to gain understanding of where people that, if they have a different color, like maybe they're going through something different. And to have that courage, God, we just pray for courage for people to step out, step out in faith and, and, um, and to speak to one another and to grow to one another. I pray for more unity within this church, mm-hmm. God. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Jesus. I thank you. Um, for this church, Lord God, I thank you for family, God, and I just pray for our church, Lord God. I pray that we would be willing to be uncomfortable, Lord God, that we would yeah. be willing to be uncomfortable yeah. and that you would take that place of uncomfort and reveal what you have for this church, Lord God. And I just, I pray, Lord God, that we would, um, yeah, learn and listen and um, feel the pain and learn from other people's pain. Lord Jesus, but we would also be gracious and merciful, Lord Jesus, that people don't have to have the exact right words or the exact right thing to do, Lord Jesus, but that we would be compassionate to one another, Lord Jesus, and that we would be a church that is willing to get messy and get into the lives of one another and to go deeper and to really gain an understanding of one another, Lord God, and be okay with 
you know, not agreeing on everything, Lord God, but agreeing that we are all your children mm -hmm. and you've mm -hmm. called us to be here together. Mm -hmm. And um, and how beautiful will that be to the world when mm -hmm. they the world can see united people? Not that everyone's the same on everything that they believe in or you know, the same political beliefs or whatnot, but they're coming together in unity. And I think yes, when yes. that happens, how beautiful would yeah. that be, Lord Jesus? And yes, how much God. healing will that happen? How much healing would take place in the world when that happens, Jesus? So we just pray for our church. Would it be a place that's truly all peoples, Lord yeah. Jesus, mm -hmm. and all peoples united, mm -hmm. Lord God. Yes, God. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Thank you, guys. Love you. Love you so much.